there is a very important chapter from the book of Revelation. And I'm speaking about Revelation chapter 12. I received several emails asking that we would make a revelation short concerning this 12th chapter. And that's exactly what we're going to do in this time of study. Revelation chapter 12 is foundational because it provides an overview, a general overview for the book of Revelation. And similarly, we see the major message of the book of Revelation being revealed clearly in chapter 12. Now, I would invite you to take out your Bible and open it up to the book of Revelation in chapter 12. But before you read it, you should pray, asking God that he would give you insight and understanding to comprehend this very important chapter, that you would pray prior to reading it and after completing these 18 verses, and that you wouldn't just read it one time, but that you would read it many times. Dealing with the scripture over and over is going to give you a better understanding of what God's truth is within any chapter that you study. Now, there's another problem because if you rely upon commentators, and many of the most famous Christian commentators, when it comes to this 12th chapter, they have problems. And the reason for that is this, is that they have some problems with their theological beliefs. And therefore, when they come to chapter 12, based upon this theological baggage that they bring, it causes them difficulty. And therefore, what they say frequently about this 12th chapter is incorrect. Here's the message for us, that we should not have our theology dictating our understanding of Scripture but it should be our understanding of Scripture that, that dictates and forms our theological beliefs. Well, let's begin. Look with me to verse 1. In verse 1, there's a sign. A sign is for the purpose of giving information. Many times it's a symbol, a well-known symbol, in order to assist the reader. And here the sign that appeared was that of a woman. Now, we have learned in other studies when a woman is the primary theme, the main purpose of a scripture focuses in on a woman, that fact changes the context from whatever it was to something new. And what is that new context? Redemption. When you look at Revelation chapter 12, it is clearly seen that the primary theme is that of redemption, the work of redemption, and also the outcome of redemption. So verse 1, we see that there is a woman. And this woman, it says that she is clothed, and clothing represents deeds, action, behavior, and character. She is clothed with the sun. And most scholars see the sun, this, this radiant light, referring to glory. And we know something. We know that redemption is powerful. It takes an individual that was heading for judgment, God's wrath, 
and brings about a glorious change whereby that person now who has been redeemed has a kingdom hope. This one will be in the kingdom where they will stand forever in the presence of God. How glorious. So not only this woman said to be clothed with the sun, but also her feet are over the moon. This speaks about authority. So we have glory and authority coming out of a redemptive experience. And we who have been redeemed by faith in that gospel, God gives us authority, the authority, the power, the anointing to serve him, to carry out his purposes in this world. So glory and authority comes from redemption. And then finally, in this first verse, we see that this woman, that she has a crown of 12 stars, 12 referring to the 12 tribes of Israel. We know that 12 and Israel, those two concepts go together and they speak of things relating to the kingdom. Israel is a kingdom term. So we see a relationship between God's work and the nation of Israel. Then when we move into verse 2, we find, still speaking about this woman, that she conceives and she's ready to give birth. In fact, she, she is in pain because of labor pains. So she's ready to give birth. And now verse 3. In verse 3, there's another sign that appears. But this is not one that reflects glory or anything having to do with redemption. No, this sign that appears is that of a dragon, a red dragon. Red symbolizing war, bloodshed, and death. That's the character of this dragon who we're told later on is that serpent of old who is Satan, who is the accuser. And this dragon, we find that he has seven heads. Now, other things are told, but for the sake of time, we know that these seven heads also have seven crowns. So these heads represent, this shouldn't surprise us, because in a previous episode of Revelation Shorts, we studied this beast in chapter 17, that beast that had seven heads. And these seven heads represent seven kingdoms or seven empires. And these empires all had something in common, and that is that they were opposed to God and opposed to Israel. Israel's foundation in God's plan. So verse 3 speaks about this, this dragon. Verse 4 says there's going to be a rebellion by this dragon in heaven. He is going to, to take one-third of the stars. Most scholars see this as one-third of the angels with him as he's cast out of heaven. And then in verse, verse 5, we're given more information about the woman who is ready to give birth. She is going to give birth to a male child. And this male child is Messiah, who is going to rule over the nations, all nations. He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And he's going to do so in his kingdom authority with a rod of iron. 
And we're told that, that this dragon, we're told that, that he is there in order to devour up this male child. But now look at verse, verse 5. We find that, that this one who is going to give birth, and we know that the scripture says, and I'm speaking about Yeshua himself, saying that salvation is of the Jews. Messiah comes from Israel. Messiah is from the tribe of Judah. And we know that this one is going to complete his work, and we know that he is going to be received, as verse 5 tells us, into heaven and be at the throne of God. Now, this tells the reader the Messiah is going to enter into this world. He was born, the incarnation, that he is going to do his work, the death, burial, and resurrection, and that he is going to do it successfully. And this is seen in the ascension, that God receives him to the throne of God, the throne he's going to rule over the kingdom of God. Look now to verse 6. Obviously, the dragon doesn't like that. Messiah has returned to the heaven, the eternal Son of God, to his rightful place with God, the Father, at the throne of God. And we find that the enemy, that dragon, is going to do what he always wants to do, thwart the things of God, and he knows the importance of Israel, so he is going to make war with the woman, that one who gave birth. That is the instrument from which Messiah entered into this world, remembering salvation is of the Jews. He is going to make war with the woman, but God, he is always faithful. He is going to provide a place, prepare this place for the woman, for Israel. And this looks at something in the future. Now, when we look at Revelation chapter 12, it tells the story, but not always chronologically. We're given information in order for us to understand what God's going to do. And when it says that a place has been prepared for her for 1,260 days, well, those 1,260 days, they equal 42 months or three and a half years. And we're speaking specifically, and remember, Daniel prophesies, prophesied of 70 weeks. And that final week, that 70th week, speaks of the final seven years. And in the middle of that week, exactly at the three and a half year standpoint, that breaks in Daniel's 70th week, that final seven years, to two equal periods. We know in the middle of the week that there's going to be the abomination of desolation. That is when the Antichrist is going to proclaim that he is God, that he is Messiah and demand that all worship him. But Israel's going to reject that, and that's why Israel is going to be persecuted for those 1,260 days, those final three and a half years. And there's going to be a place for Israel, for those who flee into the wilderness, meaning that persecution is going to bring Israel to trust, depend, and believe in God and his promises. Well, now move to verse 7. Verse 7 speaks about this war between Satan 
and, and those who belong to God in the heavens. And Satan is going to be cast out. Verse 8, he is cast out of the heavens. No longer a place is found for him. And verse 9 says he's going to be in this world and he is going to do what Satan always does and that is to deceive. But there's good news. Look now to verse 10. In verse 10, we speak about, about heaven rejoicing. Now, heaven's going to rejoice and heaven is a kingdom term as well. As heaven is rejoicing, God says, woe to the earth. Why? Because heaven's rejoicing because God's going to bring his defeat upon this world. This, this wrath that's going to destroy all that is in opposition to God's purpose to establish the kingdom. And then we find what this, this rejoicing is based upon. It is rejoicing because of salvation, this victory. And if you look at verse 11, that victory is found through the lamb, the blood of the lamb. Now here again, the book of Revelation brings Old Testament truth into the New Testament and gives it that same perspective. What do I mean by that? The blood of the lamb brought about redemption. The blood of the lamb in Egypt, we think of Passover. And Passover is the festival of redemption. So that victory, that salvation comes from the work of redemption. And who's that redeemer? Messiah, that male child that completed his work successfully, that was received back into the heavens to the very throne of God. So verse 11 speaks of victory by the blood of the lamb to those who did not love their life, meaning their earthly life and the things of this world, the things of their life to death. We, if we focus in on our earthly life, we're not going to be faithful to God. So verse 12, verse 12 speaks about once more this rejoicing in the heaven. And Satan is defeated and he knows that his time is short. So what does he do? He comes down to earth knowing that his time is short. And now look at verse 13. Verse 13, once more we see how he's going to persecute Israel. He's going to be in opposition to God's purposes and plans. God, prophetically, is indeed going to use Israel in the last days. And because Satan... He has been cast down and he is waging war against Israel. We know something. God, as I said, is faithful. And God is going to work. And he is going to provide Israel the wings of an eagle. That they might be delivered for that same period of time. But we have a different term. The same term that Daniel uses. Instead of 1,260 days, we see in verse 14 that Israel is going to be given those, those eagle wings for a time and times and a half time. A time is one year. Times in the plural is two years. And then a half time is a half a year. So again, 
time times and a half time is a total of three and a half years. God's going to minister and provide for Israel during that time of, of persecution. And there's going to be a remnant that is saved. Now look to verse 15. We see that Satan is going to, to cast forth a river. And that is for the purpose of swallowing up the Jewish people, destroying them, drowning them. Now, the image here is very similar to what we see in the exodus from Egypt. Israel came to the river and saw that river as a place of, of, of death. But God did not intend that, that, that sea to be a place of death. But rather, in the same way that something miraculous took place, God parted the sea, the Red Sea. It was a place for death, but not for his redeemed people, but for the enemy. And God is going to move mightily. Look now, if you would, to verse 16. We see there that the earth, God's going to cause the earth to open up and receive that river. Now, by the way, Water and river in the book of Revelation can refer to a great uh, group of humanity. And it simply tells us that, that the enemy is going to use humanity, that is, a large percent of the world's population is going to come against Israel. We know that every nation in the world is going to rise up to fight Israel in the last days, but God supernaturally is going to to defend them and deliver them. That's what we see in verse, verse 16. And then verse 17, once again, it gets more specific about victory. We see that the enemy, I'm speaking about Satan, and those who belong to him are going to want to once more destroy those that belong to her seed. Now, this is important. Because Israel is mentioned, and her seed, those who have a connection with God's kingdom people. And what we find here, look at verse 17 carefully. And here again, it's not speaking in a chronological order. It's simply telling us those who relate to the kingdom in this world are going to be persecuted. And here it speaks about those who are going to find victory, overcome the persecution of an enemy. How? Well, it says, because they keep the commandments of God. Now, these are the commandments that we find throughout the scripture. We could summarize them with the law of Moses. And those also are going to have, look carefully at verse 17, those who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Yeshua. Meaning this, when we obey God's commandments. It manifests in our life the character of Messiah. We're going to bear testimony, witness concerning him. But we're going to be persecuted, but it is our faith in Messiah and our, our commitment to obedience. We're not saved by obedience, but obedience is expressing the victory. It expresses who we belong to. And then the last verse, verse 18 says that, that this uh, one, and we're speaking here from the context and what we learn in chapter 13, this one who's standing upon the shore, this is the Antichrist. 
He is going to stand against those who behave according to the commandments of God, who have the testimony of Messiah. It tells the believer, get ready for persecution. Those who walk in obedience to the word of God, those who have the testimony of Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus Christ, we're going to be persecuted. So it tells us persecution is coming. The enemy is against the purposes of God, God's redemptive work, and the people who have experienced redemption. And the victory is through the blood of the Lamb. Don't love your life to death, but love the Redeemer, the one who shed his blood. And therefore, the evidence that you love him. What did Messiah say? If you love me, you'll keep my commands. The evidence that we belong to the kingdom of God. Not the means by which we are saved, but the evidence that we belong to the kingdom of God is that we keep his word, we walk in his commandments, and we manifest the testimony of, of Messiah in our life of Yeshua. Well, a brief overview of this all-important chapter, chapter 12 of the book of Revelation. Until next time, may God bless you. Shalom from Israel.